we tend to think that we're considered, we're, we're perceived as smart by the things we say. But I think that even more powerful is the questions that we ask. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. You need to listen to your customers. It's almost become a cliche statement. Pay attention to their needs. Ask for feedback. Look for confirmation that what you're doing for them is actually providing value. Well, duh, right? If you're not doing that much, you're probably not running a very successful business in the first place. So how can you go a level deeper in gathering those customer insights and really mine for what lies beneath the surface? I'm talking about the things you couldn't have assumed matter to them because those things could have only been born inside your customers' brains and come out of your customers' mouths. Well, today we'll be talking about how to uncover those things in a very intentional way. And we'll also talk about how doing so will impact your ability to better serve your customers while simultaneously arming you with intel that will influence both product R&D and marketing. Our guest today is an expert in this line of work, which he refers to as voice of customer or VOC. Dave Loomis is president of Loomis Marketing, LLC. He's a consultant coach, writer, and speaker on the topics of innovation, branding, leadership, and personal growth. Dave is also an expert project manager, helping large B2B companies navigate digital transformation. After attending Northwestern University, Dave began his career at Leo Burnett Advertising. Following an MBA from Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management, he went on to roles in consulting, a multi-billion dollar public holding company, innovation training, and public relations. Over the course of his career, Dave has had the opportunity to work with many of the world's best-known companies, especially manufacturers, including Dow, DuPont, GE, Goodyear, Hamilton Beach Brands, Heister Yale, IBM, ITW, Motorola, Oshkosh, St. Gobain, Steris, and Xerox. Quite the resume there. Dave works and lives in Chagrin Falls, Ohio. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, Dave, I know you've got some exciting news that I'd love for you to share with our listeners right away is your book just hit print, I guess. I just went live and, and available to, to now purchase, which is a big milestone in your, your career, I would imagine. That is true. It literally, just this last weekend, went up on Amazon in ebook and paperback format. And it was uh, a labor a labor of love for sure, kind of the culmination of a lot of years of thinking through different models and approaches and, and kind of my own business philosophy. And I felt like it really gelled for me in the last few years. And even especially this year, you know, kind of in the year of COVID. And I think a lot of we, we all had time to to do a lot of thinking and planning also. So I was, I was busy work-wise, but also kind of set aside some time to do this project that I've been wanting to do for a long time. So I'm very excited about it. Well, what's the name of the book and what's it, what's it about? It's called Marketing is Everything We Do. It's in the backdrop here, but Marketing is Everything We Do, 
how serving others brings success in business and in life. And there's a little kind of descriptor at the bottom, inspirational outlooks, practical approaches, useful tools. So it's kind of a combination of personal stories about kind of successes and also things that I've learned the hard way and some practical tools that I've developed over the years that kind of help people think through kind of a a nice, logical, sequential way to think about marketing, especially in the B2B space. So especially for your listeners, very appropriate in terms of the manufacturing world and innovation, new product development, voice of customer, et cetera. That's great. I think something fresh on that topic is 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 awesome right now. So make sure to go check that out. We'll mention mention it again at the end of the episode. Make sure everybody has a, a link to it in the show notes as well. So well, congrats on that. Thank you. Well, Dave, you know, as, as we get into this episode here, you know, we're going to talk about this topic of voice of customer and or often, you know, just referred to as VOC, which is a topic some people listening may know about. Frankly, I, even as a marketing guy, you know, I heard VOC and I thought of emissions from paint as, as we work with, you know, <laughs> people, companies in the manufacturing space and industrial coatings. Exactly. Companies. Volatile so, organic compounds. Yeah, there you go. So you probably run into that all the time, conflicting right. Google searches and things. But, you know, I think most companies, when they think of VOC, whether they know or don't know what that means, which you're, I'm going to have you clarify in just a second. They think they're maybe doing VOC work by just having conversations with customers. And it's, you know, doing it right, as I've learned from reading things that you have written and a couple conversations we've had, it's deeper, it goes deeper than that. And there's a lot more to it, which is, is why I've got you here to sort of break it down today. So could you start by defining what exactly voice of customer means and also tell us how it's different from just conducting ordinary customer conversations? Yeah, great question. I think that as you suggested, most companies out there and most leaders of those companies are under the impression that they're doing voice of customer work. The reason why everyone has that impression is because they're in contact with their customers all the time. They have salespeople out there on the streets. They have service forces that are you know repairing things or making sure things work, engineering's going out there, whatever it is, whoever it is. There's customer service people on the line now on Zoom constantly. So, and then many times those people that are coming in contact with customers are bringing back information. And they're and so there's this idea that yeah, we do we do surveys, we do net promoter score, we do we do outreach. We're talking to people all the time. They're coming back with ideas from the customers. And that's great. We're doing VOC. So that's the reason why people think that it's being done. The reason why I don't think that it's being done very well or in very many places is because I think it's a very, it, it needs to be a very specific process to be effective. And what I mean by that is that the meeting itself, you know, a a sort of traditional voice of customer meeting, I think can and should be very specific in its intent and orchestrated in a very specific way. And when it is, the kind of feedback 
that we get is extremely different than the kind of feedback we get just on an everyday basis from just sort of being aware and listening and bringing things back. Very, very different. And I think it can be the difference between maybe little incremental improvements and therefore incremental share gain and real innovation, breakthrough innovation, disruption, or even small things that can just make a difference in its, in, in your business and, and differentiate you from competition. That, that in those, in that orchestrated meeting, which I can tell you more about, that's where these, these little gems can come out. So what I'm hearing from you is that there is an intentional process that should be put in play here rather than just keeping your ears open and picking up little nuggets here and there in the course of your daily work with your customers. And if that's, I see you exactly. nodding, is, is that, if that's the case, you know, is there a magic recipe for doing VOC effectively or is there a, you, know, you mentioned the meeting, is, what does that look like? You know, tell, tell our listeners what it, what it looks like to you know, schedule a VOC meeting the way it should be done, how that plays out, what information you're trying to gather in that setting. Yeah. Usually when somebody asks me something about, is there a magic recipe for almost anything, my answer is usually no. And then, you know, there's some long conversation about the, you know, sort of subtleties of this and that. I think my answer is yes. I think there is a magic recipe, to be honest. It's not even rocket, it's not rocket science either. I think you need to make a, an appointment with your, with your customers and it can be for an hour, hour and a half in person when we get back to meeting in person, but can be done very easily over Zoom or WebEx or remotely. And the meeting is set up as discovery in a very specific way and saying, hey, we are doing some voice of customer work discovery, but it's going to be different than, than what you might be expecting. This is you, the manufacturer, speaking to your customer. So you say, look, we promise not to sell in this meeting and we promise not to solve. We're, we're going to have a, a, a few people. We're going to have somebody from marketing, a technical person, perhaps our relationship manager, a salesperson there, but we promise not to sell or solve. And we promise not to go down a list of questions that we have prepared about what we think might be issues you're having. It's going to be completely open-ended and we're going to give you a chance to talk about what you want to talk about. Now, the topic should be fairly focused. So I would say that you want to pick sort of an application segment. So instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to talk to my big customers, whoever they are, or this region or what have you, say, oh, I'm going to talk to my customers that are using our product in this particular way, because they're going to have similar issues. So if you're going to be talking to one of them, you, you're explicit with them when you start the meeting that this is what we're going to, we're going to be talking about. And we're going to be talking about problems that you're having with blank. And then from then it's, it, it's, it's open-ended. You're saying, so tell us about issues that you're having or challenges that you're having. It could be anything. It could be anything having to do with the beginning, middle, or end of the process. It could be anything having to do with the product itself or even the buying process or the, you know, it's up to you. What's the issue? You talk to them, they answer, 
you you can't predict what the what any of these issues are really going to be. And then something I can talk about a little bit later or more if you're interested is what you're looking for when they bring up a problem, you're going to be looking for the outcome that they're the desired outcome that they are that they're after. And the reason why we're looking for that is that you're going to hear a lot of ideas, like I said before, from customers. We, we all get them. You should do this. You should do this. You should add this. You should add this button on the front. You should, you know, you know, increase the horsepower. Or you should do whatever. The reason they're suggesting that is because they want a, an outcome. They want you, you, whatever you're providing to do something a little differently for them or to have a different outcome. You want to understand that outcome. You want to make note of their idea of how to accomplish it, but it's your business. We're the experts, right, in how to do that. And so in a lot of ways, we're interested in what the customer has to suggest, but that might not be the way that we end up solving it. And so we want to, we don't understand, we don't want their idea necessarily. We want their desired outcome. Well, you know, like you and I are as, as marketing consultants, it's our job to be the expert practitioner, right? Just as you don't go into your doctor's office and say, I'm having this problem. Here's what I want you to do. You know, you go there because yeah, that he or she can help you solve that problem, but they also have the expertise to evaluate and prescribe and make sure that what they prescribe is going to help you reach your desired outcome. So I really like from that perspective, the approach and I imagine the benefits of doing this are, there are many, I'm sitting here thinking about as you're speaking and I'm thinking, okay, well, one, you can figure out how to better serve this particular customer that you're talking to. Two, you're, you're essentially doing market research where you're going to start to identify trends about what buyers like this probably actually care about the most, which some of those things I imagine are revealing to you. And then, and then that in turn is going to impact uh, R&D and product development probably, depending on what type of company you are. It's probably also going to affect your marketing because if you understand the pains and, and desired outcomes of, of your customer and you see trends across that, you know how to cater your messaging accordingly, right? Yeah, that's a, your last point is really interesting. You were absolutely dead on on all the points you just made. The last one is interesting about the impact on marketing. And one of the, one of the elements that I suggest part of that recipe for that VOC meeting is to have somebody take notes, verbatim notes of what you're asking and what they're saying and the probing and the, and the conversation and, and actually display them on the screen while you're, while you're taking the notes or project them if you're in a conference room or what have you. There's some benefits to that. One is if you've ever been in a meeting where you're collaborating around a document, doesn't it feel a little bit different? Like you're looking at it, you're, you, you can look at it being typed up there and you say, no, not quite that. Put this here or say, you know, I didn't mean exactly that. But you're putting things in the way the customer says it. A lot of times, especially in industry, we have jargon. We have internal words for the things that we make and the way they work and what they solve. The customer may or may not use those terms. They use the terms that they use because it's a tool for them getting a job done. 
And if we can capture verbatim the pain that they feel and what they're, you know, how they feel about and what they're looking for, and then we can later mine that for marketing verbiage, then, then we're speaking to them in their language. We're not like peppering them with our jargon. You know, when we go to sell, whatever it is, we innovate and create. And so it really is a full circle process that we're starting here. Yeah, that's a really smart and powerful point there. And, you know, it's, I, I think of all the times when I've coached a, a new employee at, at our firm who's talking to a client and they're using acronym, marketing acronyms and, and words that mean something inside our firm and we use every day, but customers don't talk that way. They don't even think of something that way. I mean, hence, hence the topic, right? Voice of customer. We're trying to understand how they speak and how they, they talk about things. Right. They may have their own acronyms. And this comes sure. up all the time is that they, they are speaking to us and they're using some terminology that we might not be familiar with because yeah. they're talking about their process. Now, instead of relationship managers that have known that customer for a long time, they're much less apt to, to say, oh, time out. What does CDL stand for again? You know, because they're supposed to know, right? Mm-hmm. And that, at least that's the way they feel. But another part of the recipe of VOC is ask. You know, don't, there's no stupid question yeah. from us because what we're doing is we're authentically trying to understand what the issue is because we want to solve it. We're going to take a really quick break here to help pay the bills. So 2020 has been a weird year. Industries are facing new challenges as we navigate life without trade shows, events, and in-person meetings. Many businesses are bolstering their online tools to offer a better experience while also making up for some of those missing trade show leads. And that's where Cadena's Part Solutions comes in. They help you create a dynamic, shareable CAD catalog that you put on your website. Designers can preview your products from any angle and download in the format that they prefer. By improving the online experience, engineers and architects get the data they need for their design, and you get a fresh lead in your marketing pipeline. Who needs trade shows anyway? To learn more, visit partsolutions.com slash leads. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Dave, who inside of a manufacturing organization or really a company in general, but knowing that we're speaking to manufacturers here, do you think should be responsible for conducting these VOC conversations? I think that it's a team effort, but, I, but, but part of the recipe is that we have, we suggest very, very specific roles for folks that are involved in, in VOC. So for example, I think that leadership of the process works best when it's in, it depends on your company, what you have in terms of the roles and what you call people, but it's a marketing role or product management or product development role. Somewhere in there, you've got somebody who can learn this process well enough to be the sort of leader or the moderator of the conversation. I'd take somebody from technical side and I'd take some, I, I, you could take somebody from sales often. A lot of times it's hard to sort of leave those people out because they own the, you know, the customer relationship and so forth. Somebody other than that moderator can be the note taker during the meeting. And the salesperson 
you have to coach this person to be more of an observer to chime in once in a while, but not to step on the conversation. And the whole part about not selling and not solving is really vital because when you're asking a customer open-ended questions and you're letting them respond, you're probing and saying, okay, what else? What other problems are you having? You need to do enough of that to get enough sort of out onto the table. But if in the middle of it, they say, well, you know, I'm having a problem with the speed of this machine. And the sales guy chimes in and goes, well, the, the X39-4 does that right now. And the, the customer says, oh, really? And then that their technical person says, Tell, say more about that, because I wasn't aware that pretty soon you're in a sales meeting. And then, you know, you're like, oh, okay, sorry, we took up that, you know, 25 minutes or half an hour talking about that. You know, we'll get back to you. The same thing can happen with a technical conversation. You know, oh, I'd really like to, you know, solve this problem. Things are getting stuck here on this conveyor when it rounds this corner or something. The engineer says, oh, really? You know, is it what kind of box is, you know, can you? Oh, well, what if we did this? What if we put a baffle and blah, blah? Oh, okay. Yeah. You're solutioning. You're not discovering. Yeah. So you need to be, you really need to be disciplined about that. And our brains are probably wired to, you know, default to that way of thinking when we're in sales or we're a technical person. So you, you do, I, I understand why you're saying you kind of have to go in there with very clear intentions can, and have that top of mind, communicate that to the person you're speaking with. Makes yeah, sense. definitely. Dave, is there an example or case study, whether or not you use a real you know, company name is not important to me, but where you could, you could describe a situation where doing this kind of voice of customer work produced some kind of significant impact on the organization? Definitely. There's a few in the book, but I won't repeat those. I will, I'll give you one that is fairly recent and, and really interesting too, especially for for manufacturers. So one of my clients that I help with with this voice of customer work is one of the larger companies involved in the sterilization space. So they manufacture equipment and in some parts of the company solutions and uh, solutions meaning liquid that sterilizes cleaners, other things. But but they also have machinery that does this in hospitals and other other all all over really in business. One of their divisions is really interesting because they make a product that a lot of people don't know about or ever heard of, which is it, it, it vaporizes hydrogen peroxide to sterilize an entire room or space. So little particles of hydrogen peroxide get put out into a room in, in a vapor in several hours or overnight. And then literally everything in the entire room is therefore decontaminated. Let's put that as the semi-scientific word. So this is called VHP. There's an acronym for you. And so I helped instruct an internal team that looked exactly like what I just said to you before. There was a marketing person, a technical person, sales, they were involved. And we also talked about segmentation the way I mentioned it, which was application-oriented. So instead of just wide net over all the different ways this VHP is used, because we're going to hear, we would hear all sorts of different 
issues, let's concentrate our efforts and focus first on one kind of use case. And this particular use case that I'm thinking of was animal testing labs. So you can imagine that there's what that might be like in research in universities, research labs, things like that. And the company had some ideas about possible innovations. So everything from product tweaks to product overhauls, new products, things like that, that would, you know, potentially change the game, right? And went in to do this interviewing, like I mentioned, totally open-ended, okay? No list of questions. Would you like this feature? Would you like this feature? What if we did this? Not that at all. Just literally just the opposite. And they were very surprised because they came out of it not really making any product changes at all. Everybody said, well, we love the product. It's just that it's expensive and we don't have money in our capital budgets on an, on a, on an annual basis to, to, to buy something like this. However, if we were able to lease it, if, we were, if you were able to provide a service and come in and do this decontamination for us, that would accomplish the same thing. Remember the outcomes. The outcome is that they want the room decontaminated, not I want a machine to decontaminate. And so by focusing on that outcome and understanding and and doing it open-endedly, they never would have predicted. They would have gone in with their list of things to improve and they would have probably done an ROI, you know, all the, all the, all the numbers, and they probably would have made some changes to the product. But this time they made product changes to service offering. And it's really started a whole wave within that area that, that has kind of changed, changed the company. Wow. That's a, that's a powerful example there and, and shows what could have been had they just decided to make assumptions or to or to rely on that tangential feedback without, as you've described, digging for the desired outcome. You know, you ask the customer sort of, you know, just in one-off situations, what they think they want. They're, they're probably, you know, you're not going to get the full picture. So, no, and also we we all do this. We lead the witness. We've all watched enough, you know, court shows to know what that is. It's basically putting words in someone's mouth and, oh, I'll bet you're having a problem with this. And it's interesting as humans, we want to be, you know, agreeable to others. So a lot of times we just agree. Well, well, yeah, sure. Of course, I guess I am having a problem with that. And then there's conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And especially if somebody in a company has kind of a pet project or idea, I guarantee if they went out to the field and asked questions, they could definitely come back and say, yep, I I definitely verified this, validated it. Customers all said they'd love this, you know, but you led the witness. Yeah. Well, leading the witness, I think, can have the effect of almost insecurity for you as, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to assume I've seen this before. So I'm just going to assume this is a problem. And I'll probably sound smart because I'll sound smarter because I'm, I'm recognizing something that they probably are experiencing. And then they're going to say, oh my gosh, yes. But 
in reality, like you said, people wind up being agreeable. Whereas if you go in and ask the open-ended question and say, like, what is the issue you're having? Well, now instead of demonstrating that you're a know-it-all, you're demonstrating that you're here to listen to them. So I think that has a, a really positive impact as well. Most definitely. I think we tend to think that we're, considered, we're, we're perceived as smart by the things we say. But I think that even more powerful is the questions that we ask and and how well we listen and how well we listen. Yeah. Because it really comes across that, that we care and that we're really, we're really there to solve the problem. I'll tell you the, the, what you hear after these meetings, what customers say to you is astounding. I mean, they say, oh my God, this was an amazing meeting. We've never had a meeting like this. Someone's finally really listening to us. And I know that sounds completely cliche, like I made it up and it's in a role play video or something like that. But honestly, we hear that all the time. I believe it. Well, let's see here, Dave, shift gears for a second here. You know, most listeners of this show being manufacturing people spend plenty of time at trade shows. Now, 2020, of course, is the exception as we're sitting here in in early December of 2020 recording this. And the first half of next year, we can probably assume it's going to be largely the same. But, you know, trade shows will come back around and they'll probably look different and, and everything. But they're they're, they're, I'm sure they're not gone forever. And I know you've mentioned that you're a fan of using trade shows to conduct VOC work. And I was curious if you could speak to that for a moment. Absolutely. I am a big fan of, of trade shows. I think there was probably a while where people thought, oh, these are kind of a dinosaur. And especially if you're a manufacturer and it's a larger trade show, it's expensive. I mean, honestly... The price tag, and you know this too, I'm sure, for helping out some of your clients, it's, it can be astronomical. And when others, especially, say, a CEO or board of directors or, you know, private equity or anyone comes in and like puts a magnifying glass over the financials, they're going to see this line item and say, do we really need to do this? And, you know, what, what can we do instead? Or, We'll do it every other year or we'll just scrap it and, you know, put the money elsewhere. But I really, I'm a big fan of, of, of trade shows because it brings people together that have a common industry, a need, application, et cetera. And it is this interesting combination of customers and vendors and suppliers. So there's a whole value chain usually that's represented either in the booths or in the aisles or both. So for VOC at these, I think it can range, you know, depending on what you want to do from pretty formal to extremely informal. Pretty formal, since people are co-located, that, that maybe people you want to talk to, you can get, you can get a suite at a hotel room or, 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 a, or a conference room at that show and do a focus group and conduct it in the same way that you do this open-ended work. Or you can just get a room and schedule customers to come in, you know, one after the other, just set the times up to do these, you know, more in-depth one-on-one or couple people, couple people, VOC meetings. Or 
last February in Vegas at the World of Concrete show, which is a great one. I conducted VOC in the, my client's booth. So people came by and either I had appointments or I got just people on the fly who would be willing to sit down for a few minutes and talk to us. Got some amazing insight from them. And then finally, another sort of, I think, underutilized kind of approach would be, you know, sometimes your competitors are there and, you know, you can get some good competitor intelligence during trade shows as well, either from those competitor booths or from, you know, their custom competitor customers. And so I've been pretty successful with some of that as well. Yeah, I think it's a really great perspective on what to do with trade shows because it seems to be a big debate. And I think especially right now, are they worth going to and, and who knows what they're going to look like when they come, come back around. But, you know, so many companies go there with the goal of scanning lots of badges and, you know, trying to build, build a list of people who probably don't mostly want to hear from you on the sales front. I have a lot of clients who have had a lot of success in trade shows, especially with the ones who are in really niche trade shows. But what a great opportunity to do exactly what you're describing, to just talk to people. You know, A, you're building relationships with people in a way that's very different than when you're trying to sell them something because their guard is down. You know, And if you make it clear that I'm, I am trying to gather research on the industry. And you know, the other thing you can do, my marketing brain's always on because I'm a marketing guy here, but it, what a great opportunity for you to create some content with your potential future customers, or at least people who are the peers of your potential future customers to be able to share these insights. You know, one, one tangible example I can give you, one of the earliest interviews, I think it was episode four or five of, of this podcast in kind of mid late summer was with Danny Gonzalez from Industrial Sage. And they are essentially a video production company that works with the industrial sector. You should go check them out if you're listening and, and don't know those guys. They're doing really awesome work. But I know they went to Modex last year. And I want to say they mm-hmm. filmed like 100 videos or something like that. They came with some professional equipment, which it doesn't have to be that. I mean, geez, your iPhone 11 or, or 12 or whatever has got an unbelievable camera at this point. So it doesn't, you don't need professional equipment. But they interviewed and they, I don't know how long they were. My guess is they probably did a lot of five and 10 minute interviews with, with manufacturing people. And learned a ton, built relationships, created all kinds of great content from that. And, you know, like they could have just gone, you know, them or, or you or whoever, whoever you are, you can go to a trade show and you can do your normal thing, or you can do that too and walk away with so much more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave, what actionable things should a manufacturing leader who's sitting here listening right now thinking, oh man, I got to, I got to get some of this stuff in, in motion here and start doing voice of customer work the right way. What, where can they start? What can they do? I think starting is the most important thing. You can plan forever and think about it, but I'm a big believer in sort of the lean startup approach or design thinking and learning by doing. And just knowing that you're, you're not going to be perfect right off the bat but you're going to get better at it. So you dip your toe in the water and you just, you just do it. It's sort of the Nike <laughs> mantra. And so how could, how do you just start? I think there's a, there's a uh, temptation for companies when they start their VOC work to think, Oh, okay. This is supposed to generate, 
you know, grow organic growth and innovation. So we're going to go after like new products in new markets. But my recommendation is actually to go after your best customers that know you the best for your, you know, heart of the line products and try, try this process there first. Now, the pushback that you're going to get, especially from sales, is we, we know them. We know them. We know everything about them. We've been in the, with them for years. We're not going to learn anything new. They've told it. We know everything about their problems. Just ignore that. Pretend like, you know, just say, okay, well, that's fine, but we're doing it anyway. Because I guarantee 100% you, there will be new things that come out that you never would have predicted. It just always happens every time you do one of these. And so now to prepare for it, which is, you know, you asked about actionable steps. I mean, you could, there's training on, on this one that, that I kind of utilize is uh, called new product blueprinting. You can Google that and, and there's that methodology, which is great. There's other reading that you can do about outcome driven innovation from uh, there's a company called Stratagen that run by a guy named Tony Olick that has written some books on this. One of them called Jobs to be Done, I think is d- downloadable from free from their website. So there's lots of resources. You can kind of just get informed, better informed, and find, a, find a, this person, this leader, this uh, moderator. You know, you know who that person probably is in your company. So they're probably in, as I said, marketing or product management, product development, and they're probably extroverted. They're not going to be shy about asking questions to customers. They don't have to already be customer facing, though. I've seen some of the best people at this, and they've never been in front of customers before, but you put them in front of customers, and it's actually perfect because they can kind of play dumb about asking some of those things that others would assume are sort of stupid questions, but they're excellent in the probing and the open-ended questioning. And, you know, it really is effective. So I would say, you know, actionable, do some reading. If you want to get some training, get some training for a handful of people and, you know, really just do it. (laughs) Just start, learn by doing. Great advice. And I love that you you included some actual resources in there too. We'll make sure to link to those in the show notes. So, well, Dave, man, this was an awesome conversation. I, I love these ones where I feel like I'm learning something on the spot. And if that's the case, I'm sure our, our listeners are probably thinking the same thing. So really appreciate you doing this. Pleasure. Loved it. Cool. Well, tell our audience how they can get in touch with you, where they can learn more about you and Loomis Marketing, as well as your new book. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a website for Loomis Marketing. It's at loomismarketing.com, L-O-O-M-I-S, marketing. And I'm at dave at loomismarketing.com. Anybody can feel free to email me at any time with Q&A, whatever. The book is a, is about serving others because I, I my philosophy about business is that that's what, why we're in business and the most successful companies Really, that's what they do. And I'm like that myself, too. So, you know, feel free to reach out. I just I love, you know, just kind of talking to people and learning things. And I share what I know and resources and networks and things like that. As far as the book, it's up on Amazon now. 
in the Kindle edition. If you want to have a different e-reader, you get the Kindle app for that. And then there's a paperback version, the one I held up earlier. And it's, I had a lot of fun with it. I think I look forward to feedback. If it is helpful to people, that would be great. Beautiful. Well, I'd like to say thank you once again to our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions, for helping make this episode possible. And Dave, thanks again for taking the time to join me today. You are very welcome. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to The Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>